Greetings, rolled up and dead. Roll up and dyers. Roll up and die listeners. Ooh, welcome to episode 71. Before we get into the episode, I would like to first shamelessly promote one of our good friend's works. Your very own Captain Gothnog and his critical hit publishing. He works with uh, a bunch of different people, including uh, DBJ, who's been on this show. Well, they just released their next Cinematic Environs Supplement, Underwater Adventures. This book is awesome, and it's as awesome as all of the other Cinematic Environs books at helping you to make the environment uh, more of a factor and perhaps even more of an antagonist in your games. So head on over to DriveThruRPG, check out Critical Hit Publishing over there, and check out the entire series. But specifically, if you are thinking about putting underwater encounters, adventures, or, or even an entire campaign underwater into your RPG, that's the supplement you're looking for. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the episode. It's Sunday. May 28th, 2017, and you are listening to episode 71 of Roll Up and Die. Who knows, really? It could be could be completely hilarious. Right, so I'm my recording. question for you is the when you have us clap at the end for <laughs> to, you know to synchronize stuff, and people don't know this because it's never mm-hmm. included in the podcast. But at the end of every podcast, no. Barker asks us to clap our hands in front of our microphones one at a time. Mm-hmm. I I just am wondering, like, what is what do you use that for, like when you're editing the podcast? So. We've been doing it out of habit for about sixty-five episodes. You don't. You mean you mean you don't actually use the clap anymore? No. Oh no, I don't. I I, I in fact I align the audio using our introductions now because the that is the yeah that is the seamless way that we can do it. You know when I yeah. say my name is Barker oh. and you say Matt from A Fistful of Dice, that's how I yes. line them up. You just line and, it up one after the other. <clears throat> Yes, yeah. and then I, I usually give it a little bit. I usually listen to it for a while, and I'm like, okay, all right. Because sometimes like I'll line up the introductions perfectly, but our introductions weren't lined up when we recorded. Yeah. But right. that's something that you usually figure out pretty quick after. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say I've just been making you clap for no reason. <laughs> and and well, I don't like know ever, if this is the case. Ever. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I used them a few times when I was doing the editing, so... Okay. Uh, yes. So just in case, if yeah. there's yeah. ever a time when, when Barker's like, Alex, I need you to do the audio editing this week, like, the oh, Alex it's can really, the it does It doesn't hurt I to mean, put them in, you know. Yeah. It made sense when we, were, when we were lining up to the... When we were doing the Skype recording. Skype Cause, audio, yeah. Because then that, exactly. that had the claps in it. That's exactly why I was asking, is because I... I was okay. This was a toilet <laughs> thought. It wasn't a shower thought. It was a toilet thought. I was on the toilet and I was like, "Could it wait, have how been can anything we clap? else?" Because I was like, "We don't, we don't use the, the actual fuck? Skype recording anymore. We just use the individual tracks, and hmm. somehow they're just magically lined up." And I was like, "So what sorcery is Barker using yeah. with the claps?" I didn't. I had no idea. So thank you for for answering my question. I appreciate that. Truth is, he's putting together a uh, like an audience uh, applause track. 
And every time he, sa- he saves those claps <laughs> and he's compiling them into this massive audience. It's I'm recording the... a metal track with a chanting and clapping section <laughs> and I just need extra claps. And so that's so I started this podcast with some friends. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be like 100 episodes down the line. There's going to be Roll Up and Die episode 125, the clap edition. And it's just going to be an hour of all of our claps from from the various previous episodes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess I guess that would so, be the podcast equivalent of jumping the shark at that point if that's what we're yeah. putting out. And I, yeah, you know, we got all this content <laughs> we're not using. Uh, so I had an idea for a banter topic, mm. uh, just because I kind of wanted to talk <clears throat> to you guys about this cool thing that I did. Oh, cool! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was able to run a game of dread for my cousin and her home group. Oh, cool! I, I love, love dread. dread. That's it's my. I was gonna say it's it's probably it's always vying for the top spot on my favorite RPGs list because it's, it's, and for, you know, mm. we've talked about it before, but it's kind of the, the horror cinematic horror slash thriller themed game yeah. using a Jenga tower as its center mechanic. And, uh, and I just wanted to kind of throw out this somewhat idea that people might be able to steal for, uh, uh, it wasn't a toilet thought that I had, but it was a, a shower <laughs> thought. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, so completely naked, Matt, not just, you know, a number yeah, two pants down. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, we're talking full, full on, full on. shower. Full yeah, frontal. it was a, it was full f- and and bactal <sighs> also full frontal and bactal shower thought. <laughs> dorsal, dorsal, uh, dorsal, <laughs> full dorsal, full dorsal oh, and ventral shower thoughts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh god! So the. <laughs> So it's not this it's not this horror game. It was it was meant to be kind of like a thriller game, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like an action-packed, all right, you guys are like a uh, SEAL team 6. You guys are like a, a, a SWAT team. This was kind of set <clears throat> in Matt your world of Harbinger kind of science fantasy. Um yeah. but I had the uh the the players kind of decide what <clears throat> setting they wanted to play in as they went along. But basically mm-hmm. they drop out of the atmosphere they're doing this drop on this orc encampment mm-hmm. the objective is to de- destroy this encampment after the drop and work their way into this kind of evil forest where they can find this like massive orc encampment and just waste it right they're, they're mm-hmm. raising this army of elite orcs and uh we gotta we gotta wipe them out before they uh cause any problems well so the idea is that uh you know every time you take an action you pull a block out of the jenga tower and when the jenga tower falls it's you know people die yeah and so the entire game that's why i call it the carnival ride of games is you really know what you're getting into you know that this isn't you know this is going to be unlike anything else you've done so the characters they they do the drop they decide to improvise that there's like this lake near the encampment so they drop into the lake and they turn on their like uh boot I called them boot fans because I'm I just can't think of words. But uh, what are the the <laughs> boot uh, pro- propellers <laughs> that like James Bond might have or Iron Man boot, has? Boot propellers, <laughs> boot fans, <laughs> boot propellers is is a little bit better than boot fans. That yeah, because I think yeah. it sounds yeah. a lot cooler than boot fans. <clears throat> boot fans sounds like something that you'd like wear at Disneyland when you're in line, yeah. you're getting really hot. You yeah. bring your foot God, to my your feet face are so hot. Oh man, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got a little spritzer. If you're looking for that extra mist on top of the fan <laughs> tailorship, anyway. So, um, so anyway, they take this, they take out this outpost, and they're pulling out blocks. 
and they you know they go to the next outpost and they're you know each each member of the crew is like we got an engineer we've got a medic we've got the the lieutenant we've got the uh the explosives expert that's the engineer but we have the scout sniper so everyone's got a job and so you know they're taking turns kind of making up these cool encounters and then defeating them mm-hmm. and right when they get to the very end right before the the encampment the tower is just rickety like it's gonna fall any moment now mm-hmm. and so i i did a little thing that i that, that I, I i i switched sides after a moment i said all right you you get to the encampment each of you described to me i had all the players describe to me how they how their character was going to help wipe out this encampment and so the engineer was like i'm going to strap explosives to this factory in secret this refinery and i'm going to blow it up and all the gas lines attached to it are going to explode all throughout the camp and the sniper mm-hmm. says i'm going to be you know in a tree in my ghillie suit just picking off people running away and they each take turns describing these just ways mm-hmm. they're going to wreck this uh, this encampment of mm-hmm. elite orcs and so i start the game by, uh, by or i end the game rather by switching over and saying okay all right you walk out of your tent after putting down your child and you look around and say you know this is no army these are farmers elderly school children you, you, you see your friend Goresh with his massive orc tusks, and then they, the characters, the players slowly realize they are in the encampment getting ready. And then what they did is I said, okay, all of a sudden, hell breaks loose, the refinery explodes, you hear the baby crying in the tent, two uh, alleyways down, well, you know, and, and there's a friend of yours is in the, the way of the fire over, it calls to you and asks for help putting out the fires. What do you do? Oh, I saved the baby. Okay, make a pole. And, and they do it, right? They mm-hmm. did it as, as the orcs. They're using the same tower. It's still rickety. They make a pole. They put it on top of the tower. And all right, you save the, you save the child and you, you know, you're back in the chaos of the encampment being attacked from all sides. And then I went to the next character and had them deal with what they had decided their first character was going to do to the camp and so the and the whole time the best part about this mm-hmm. is and I, maybe it can only work with dread i'm not sure if either of you guys have ever done this kind of twist ending or something but the best part was that these players really wanted to succeed as these orcs mm-hmm. but it was there was this <laughs> this taste of inevitability in the air every time they'd succeed i when i'd go to the next character everyone would just kind of look at the tower and think Oh man, we can only do this so much. Like yeah. we're, we're gonna, our characters are going to succeed at wiping out this damn orc encampment, and we're going to be in here while they're doing it. So you know, pretty soon we're going to be talking about our resolutions episode. Uh, what what do you think about? Do you think that I uh, took anything away from the characters at the end there, or do you think that it would have added to an experience if you were the player? No wrong answer. Well, under under that in that circumstance, I think it was it was perfect. I think that from from what you describe, it's it sounds like it was really well done. It's and it sounds like they get a lot out of it. So I think in that case, you know, it, uh, that kind of twist can can really work. I think it's it 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 can blindside players if it's done um, at the wrong place in the wrong time. So you yeah. you really have to get a feel for for when is the right time to do it. Well, and dr- with dread, it's really easy yeah, to yeah, kill sure. the characters, right? Yeah. Because all you got to do is wait. 
<laughs> like, they're eventually like gonna, gonna die. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's if I'm playing D and D and I, you know, I say, okay, now you're playing as the orcs, and I just make it so they can't succeed, I, I would be upset as a player. So that makes sense. Yeah, I think you know, having it be a one shot and using a system like Dread, which is sort of, you know, you can't really. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't imagine that you can run campaigns very effectively using Dread. <laughs> it, it's more for that that one off sort of game, but. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a perfect time to do something like that and spring it on your players and see how they react. And man, I love that. And I, I had a really good time, Barker, when you ran Dread for us last summer, and it was that, uh, you know, that sci-fi game where we were sort of regaining memories the longer we played, and you were passing mm. out memories to people. And it was sort of like a Battlestar Galactica thing where some of us were realizing that we were actually double agents, you know, and we were mm-hmm. remembering, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm gonna betray yeah. these people, you know, and. I just I love stuff like that, man. Especially for a one-off game, yeah. it's, it's really fun to play around with that kind of stuff. It makes me want to start designing dread scenarios mm-hmm. because it's just such an easy game to run. Such yeah. an easy game. For and sure. one of the th- one of the things I like about it, other than the obvious, you know, the the tension that builds up with the tower, is that it is so easy. I mean, you can you can take this to complete novices to role playing, set them down at a table, and have them playing within minutes. You know, it's it's yep, it's, exactly. it's really that simple. If if you've done your prep, then 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 you can just do it. You know, for for just a group of people you you meet on the street or you know at a party or whatever, and and you can just go. And I, I love yeah. that about that game. Yep. It's just it's it's sort of so simple it, because it is. You're it's like everyone knows how to play Jenga. It's like okay, this is Jenga. Yeah. But instead of just pulling blocks, we're going to narrate a story while we're doing while we're yep. doing it, and we're gonna the, the the pulls of the blocks are going to affect what happens. And I just I yeah. love that. It is and so I've... it is so good. It is almost a crime. <laughs> oh, oh! That segue. I got ran over by that segue. I was walking <laughs> down the street, and I heard I heard a little <laughs> behind me, and I turned around, and there was a guy on a segue, and he ran me over. <laughs> Is the guy okay? Is he okay? He's fine because they can't fall over. So he just yeah, ran yeah. right over me. Yeah, I don't even think I, he saw me. Challenge accepted. They can't. No, they fall absolutely over. can fall over. Our our former president <laughs> fell over in a Segway. George W. Bush. Really? Uh, yeah, he crashed. In really? a Look up George W. Bush Segway, and you'll oh, see. That's awesome. You will instantly crack up because the the picture is wonderful. George <laughs> Bush Segway. <laughs> 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 I haven't seen it in a while. It's so awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. But absolutely, yeah. uh, Gothnog, that is exactly what we're talking about <laughs> is kind of criminal organizations. We're going to take a walk on the black market side of things today. I was struck by this inspiration um, about a week ago when we were deciding what we were going to talk about tonight on this uh, podcast where we uh, always record episodes and never release them. When this episode comes out, <laughs> it's going to be like three weeks from now. But we have so many episodes in the, in the chamber. We're preparing to send um, them out. It's nice vo- to have a little bit of a backlog, actually. It's it's it nice to know that we, we've got some good episodes to put out there. <laughs> we're, prepared, you, you we're, know, we're preparing to send them out on Voyager 6 when it goes out. So Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what's bad to have back, uh, backlog of is a... Uh, a let's play of a computer game that you're bad at because (laughs) you'll have like 14 episodes done. And on episode five, someone's like, Oh, you made this wrong mistake. And you're like, bro, that's not going to get better for at least 14 episodes. Like, I mean, trust me, you got a bit before I respond to you anyway. (laughs) Um, but I was, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about 
societal structures and mm. and social institutions like shopping malls uh you know maybe maybe a social social institution might not might not be the word but i was thinking of what we conceive as normal mm-hmm. um and and i say we really broadly cuz all kinds of people listen to this podcast so i say we as kind of like average american people uh i would assume <laughs> kind of kind of see things like going to the store as normal or going to mm-hmm. church as normal or you know voting in the voting booth a lot of people think that's normal some people don't uh uh, partic- uh participating in the economy getting paid spending money um on things mm-hmm. like this is all like every this is this is almost hardwired into our minds at this point mm-hmm. but i was thinking what if what if you didn't have money or enough money or what if you were forced onto kind of the other side of things and i imagine that criminal society is almost like a dark reflection a black mirror of normal society where you Mm -hmm. still have the places where you can go shopping but now it's you're illegal like you can't be buying here this is the black market you know you still have places where you can vote but these are gangs like these are Mm -hmm. like government I, i shouldn't have said places where you can vote but you still have institutions of government like these gangs and these hierarchies. You still have um, religion. You know, if we're mm-hmm. talking about RPGs, you have cultists and and more deranged beliefs kind of sprouting out of the criminal side of the mirror. Yeah. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that side of the mirror, not necessarily crime per se, but what sort of, if I'm if you're running a crime game, Alex, yeah. Matt, if, if you're running a game where, where that involves diving into the criminal underground, how do you how do you design it so it still feels real like there's still kind of a foot in the real normal non illegal way that we do things does that make sense yeah. does that description of the dark reflection mm-hmm. of society make sense yeah yeah sure. for sure yeah and i think that any sort of criminal organization uh it wouldn't be chaos there would be like you're saying there would be an hi- a hierarchy to it there would be a system in place <laughs> because um you know even non-lawful organizations have to have some sort of lawful thing to them. I guess when, when I'm thinking, when I think of uh, organized crime, you, you know, the obvious thing to think about is like the mafia, you know, which everyone's familiar with. Uh, if you've ever watched yeah. a Martin Scorsese film in the past 50 years. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I like to think, I also like to think of other organizations that maybe, I don't know, kind of the Robin Hood side of things where maybe they, you know, under an oppressive government, maybe they operate the sort of black market as a way to help, you know, local people, you know, maybe, maybe they steal to, uh, to feed the poor who are, you know, kind of being overtaxed by the, by the wealthy barons or, um, you know, maybe they're a sub, uh, a subclass of citizen and, and, you know, being mistreated by, uh, the local powers. And so, you know, these people sort of, you know, help them to, um, you know, get out of the area or, or get help, that sort of thing. I like that. I like the idea of, of putting a little bit of like innocence. <clears throat> it's almost like what you're saying into it, like, um, <clears throat> adding something into that criminal side of the mirror. That's mm-hmm. relatable in its morally goodness, you know, <laughs> stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Like there's, you know, that's criminal, but that's, you know, there's there, there's something we can all kind yeah. of 
stick our chin out and say, well, you know, I can see why that, why someone would do that. <clears throat> well, and we, and we touched on this a little bit in, in other episodes, but talking about how, you know, anyone who's evil or doing bad things doesn't see themselves that way most of the time. You know, they think that they're doing, perhaps doing a greater good, or maybe they are doing good, uh, but they're technically breaking the law. Or maybe they, um, you know, they, they, they know what they're doing is is morally wrong, but ultimately it will lead to something better. And even within the organization, they genuinely care about each other. You know, they're, they're not all just evil mustache twirling, twirling, you know, two-dimensional, you know, villains. They, they have families, they have people they care about that they're taking care of, you know? And I think, you know, any, any kind of criminal organization or activity, you know, I, I always like to try and add enough depth to it so that it's not just an opponent to kill or, or to stop that sort of thing. That's like the show sons of anarchy. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're terrible people. Like they're just, they're murderous smugglers and criminals. And, but they, like you're saying, Alex, they genuinely care about each other. And there's a, a sense of brotherhood there where their mm-hmm. bonds are almost, you know, stronger than family and they would do anything yeah. for each other. And they, they look out for each other and they look out for each other's families. And that sort of, that thing makes them like empathetic characters. Even when they're doing horrible things, you're like, I still kind of like them though, because they're right. like, they're taking care of each other and they're taking, they're, they're putting their lives on the line for their, for their brothers, you know, and their, and their families and stuff. And so I think having that element there is a really good way to make a, like a really nuanced criminal organization where you're like, man, I don't agree with these guys, but damn it, if they aren't nice guys. <laughs> I think that that's, um, <clears throat> Not only a good thing to draw the characters in and, and have them kind of empathize more with the uh, the villains, right? The criminals. Yeah. Um, but again, it shows a reflection of real life, and and it's all something I want to get your feedback on. It's almost like the, the the trick would be to to create a criminal backdrop setting that that seems like it it naturally progressed there. Not like this is mm-hmm. oh this is you know this is where the 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 thieves guild meets in the sewers yeah. and we're going to sell to our fence at the outer drain and he's you know it's like all right yeah. this is not an elder scrolls game you know these people like you said Alex these are these people are stealing to feed their families. Yeah and and I think uh, looking at the you know finding out what its history is uh how it organically formed you know a lot of these organizations formed out of either you know some sort of need like there's a power vacuum or uh, you know something missing i mean you look at something like uh, prohibition um prohibition in the united states that led to you know incredible you know crime syndicates based on the 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 importation of of liquor and and the sale of it in, into the united states so had that not happened those organizations might never have formed you know so you kind of you, you, you want to kind of look at 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 why they at why they formed now now they were doing brutal horrible things but at the same time they were also providing a service that the people wanted and, and, and you know in in response to uh you know a crazy law so so i mean uh, you know, looking at look, you know, uh, like you, you, like you were sort of talking about, looking at why it's there. You know, what what gave birth to it. You know, is it uh, is it a response to some kind of oppression? Is it a response to, you know, a a is is it a response to uh, poor uh, working conditions? Is it a response to uh, the you know a poor economy? Uh, 
You know, maybe, maybe like maybe, a dictatorship, you know, well, something like the Soviet Union sure. or Stalin. You well, know, sure, yeah. or, or like you know, you know, like the Great Depression, the economy tanks, and so now these people have have no choice but to resort to to these sort of crimes and and so forth, and and some get organized and they get really good at it, you know. So I mean, that kind yeah. of thing can happen too. So we did why this was like one of our first episodes. We talked about <clears throat> these skills, mm-hmm. and it was like a, I think it was our first around the town actually was we were talking about the yeah. thieves guild. And so my question for you is like, when I think of a criminal organization in a fantasy game, my mind instantly goes to either a thieves guild or an mm-hmm. assassins guild. Right. Yeah. But I feel like there's so many other things that you could do with it. Like thinking about smugglers, arms dealers, like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, dealers of, of illegal magical artifacts, or maybe a, uh, a, a group of magic users that are doing illegal magic. Like what are some other kind of like, fantastical criminal organizations that you can have in your game that aren't necessarily a thieves guild or an assassin's guild. Well, I'm a a huge fan of uh, Sherlock Holmes. And uh, when you look at a a character like Moriarty who created this, uh, this criminal organization where he sort of was the spider at the center of the web and he sort of, you know, controlled all this, all this crime. It wasn't as organized say as a thieves guild or even the mafia, but but he 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 knew what was going on in all these places, and he was you know playing it like this you know this instrument where he could you know uh, have things happen that would affect this other thing that he was doing, and he was brilliant enough to make that happen. So you know having having a single figure that is brilliant enough to pull this stuff off, like a yeah, even a lich uh, uh, yeah. who is. Uh, because you know, again, that people wouldn't think that immediately. People think of liches as, you know, living in tombs and 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 waiting for adventurers to come along and try to steal their shit. But <laughs> but maybe they're more involved in in the world. You know, maybe maybe this maybe they're uh, taking on the role of this of this you know reclusive benefactor in 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 uh, in this city. But in reality, they're you know, pulling all these strings of all these, these seemingly unrelated crimes, but they all have purpose behind them, dark purpose that only he knows. See, that's a really cool idea. And my idea is not as exciting and action oriented and fun (laughs) for a role playing game as that is, but, uh, because I am become boring. Uh, but the, the, the idea that I had was not really fantastical, but I think the best villain in this, in a criminal organization, I think the most powerful villain is the untouchable villain, mm. uh, and that's the 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 villain that's wrapped up in the government. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's I had an idea to try to make <clears throat> it fantastical. You know, I was thinking about gerrymandering today because it's because mm-hmm. I am become boring, and I was thinking about how you know that's like <laughs> trying to get the districts recreated so all of your voters are your party so you always get all their votes and stuff and i imagine like what if in a fantastical world that were a world where the the government itself was run by arcane uh means and i'm talking like votes elections Mm -hmm. like people would walk over to their something out of harry potter maybe it looks like a, a big silver pensive or a dish or something and and you you know, put in your vote and it magically goes to this hub in the middle of the realm that distributes all the votes. Something something fun like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the best criminal organization would be one <clears throat> that's in charge of ensuring that one section's votes don't get seen. Or that um, those uh, people are gerrymandered into <laughs> a, a, an area where it won't matter. So they'll still have to keep living in squalor. And so that's the villain 
that these characters have to stop. That's what mm-hmm. these characters have to stop is this uh, this inevitable cycle of continuous poverty that's been ha- happening for decades. That to me is a, a really uh, monstrous beast to have to uh, take down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's boring at all. I mean, I, I think it, it depends on how it's sold. I mean, you can, uh, I think you can sell that that story to players really well, and and that's definitely more subtle, like long game, you know, kind of thing for 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 a campaign. But it can be kind of cool to watch it happening a little bit at a time, you know, and 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 they they would only see little subtle changes as things go along, you know, maybe. The captain of the guards replaced in the city they they've gone to forever. You know they they've they've gotten to know this this captain of the guards and he's treated them really well. Now that now there's this other guy who's been put in charge, who is you know uh, uh being you know kind of you know rough uh, being more rough with you know, maybe a certain class of people or whatever. You know it, all these show the all these little changes that build up over time until finally you know they have to do something about it. Yeah. No, I like that. I like stuff that that that's kind of got that pressure. That's pressure sensitive. You know what yeah. I mean? An idea that I've kind of been toying with in in some of my campaigns, specifically the provokers, is like the the disenfranchised sort of criminal organization. That's and that's kind of you know we've we've talked about that a little bit here. But you know if if people are dealing with poverty and feeling like they're not equal or are being you know sort of uh, obviously sort of systematically oppressed having them sort of create some sort of organization in order to rise up and, 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 you know, as the beast is the, as the beastie boys say, fight for their right to party, then (laughs) that can be kind of a compelling thing. Like in the provokers, there's this, the descendants of this army that tried to siege this city. They weren't even really involved in the siege, but they're sort of written into this, this law that they have to essentially like, uh, uh, serve the people of this city for compensation for all of the you know death and suffering that they caused Mm -hmm. which is like you know that's all well and good you know there needs to be reparations for what happened but these are people that were like hey i was eight years old when the siege happened why am i working in this city for peanuts you know and being treated (laughs) like a second class citizen and one of the main sort of minor villains starting out in the campaign was the leader of this sort of rebellion and he does some terrible things and you know for all intents and purposes he's a he's a terrorist because he's attacking mm. innocent people and carrying out these sort of attacks that are meant to just sow chaos and anarchy but when you get down to it he's just like man i just want to i just want my people to be able to have a home again like we we're yeah. strangers here and we're being mistreated and we're being <clears throat> looked down upon and we just want to be human beings again mm-hmm. and it's like you know what man like i I can't argue with your motivation, but I I can take offense with your methods because there's yeah. A, yeah. there's a better way yeah. to go about doing this, you know. I like that a lot, and I I uh, I like that you described Casimir as a a minor villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kind of seem to like be, it, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers for the provokers, but yeah, no, he's a, a minor minor villain. <laughs> I like the idea that you brought up factions, the idea that, you know, the mm-hmm. more people are upset, the more, uh, you know, these little groups that they start are going to kind of sprout up. And especially if the uh, players or the the player characters do the thing that upsets them, uh, that can really make the, the world feel real, you know, like, uh, like tangible and like, oh, man, we're really affecting this world. If something mm-hmm. we did started some angry faction. Um, one more idea is that give every NPC you have one illegal thing that they do. Like, oh, yeah. mm, 
anything from this person <clears throat> at the office steals the paper clips <laughs> to <laughs> this person at the office is embezzling money to, yeah, you know, right. like, and the, again, I am become boring. All my analogies are like <laughs> office and paperwork and garbage like that. But, but like if, he, if everyone's he got. He disables <laughs> the fire alarm and goes out the back door every day at five o'clock. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, like Winston. No, never mind. Uh, but the. Um, but yeah, if you give everyone one thing, just as a test, you know, see how see if the characters can discover any of these things, or give, give just give the character something to play with, and you might, you know, the goal I would imagine is to get two or more NPCs to kind of collide in their illegal actions, mm-hmm. and so that's where the story would happen theoretically. I mean, this is just an idea that I jotted down on the sheet yeah. of paper. The yeah. thing I like about these more. Uh, morally ambiguous organizations, you know, are they good? Are they bad? Are they, you know, the good guys, the bad guys? Is that you can get the 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 player characters involved with them, and maybe they even start working for them, not knowing, you know, maybe that they turn out not to be such great guys, you know, that that they are that they do have this other agenda. It doesn't have to be a, a big, you know, uh, world-ending agenda. It can just be, you know, we're actually, you know. Um, doing all these other horrible things that you've heard about, but, you know, you haven't been involved with that, but, you know, what you're doing is helping to fund or or facilitate this other stuff that's happening. And now they find out they're sort of in this pipeline of of these other bad things that have been happening that they had no idea about, or at least they had no idea they were involved in it. Oh, yeah. You know, and then maybe the, maybe the, maybe the PCs get, get caught. You know, by the authorities, like you know, and and now they're having to explain why they're involved in this, in this, and, oh, and, and they have no idea what the hell's going on. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Who who's dead? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's another way to run a criminal game, right? Yeah. Throw your players in there, like you're yeah. you're caught by the law, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and then you know, of course, the law is going to go. All right. Well, you've got an in with these people, so now you're going to help us bring them down. And it's like, oh, right. okay, now we're getting in too deep. <laughs> and I, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, imagine, you know, the, 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 the PCs are hired to go get some exotic poison from somewhere, and then they, yeah. they, they, they sell it to them, you know, job well done, they wipe their hands. Next thing you know, this poison is used to assassinate a, you know, a, a noble or, you know, a lord or something like that. Now, and maybe they hear about it, like, oh, holy crap, that sounds like the poison yeah. we got. <laughs> Oh, man. I love that. That reminds me of, uh, I'm watching The Man in the High Castle right now, which is Mm. phenomenal. Okay. Yeah, dude, that show is phenomenal, but you cannot spoil anything. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's just, there's a, there's a, there's a character in the show that sells ammunition and it becomes super vital some of those bullets become super vital and there's one of the big like things in the first season is like oh i hope no one finds out where these bullets came from and that's like it's such mm-hmm. a simple thing you know it's just like yeah. two yep. or three bullets but it's so important knowing where they came from and what they were used for and i just i love things like little things that have huge ramifications yeah you know what we should I, w- I would love to see like a d100 list of those things like like things that are uh, sometimes I have these ideas and I realize they don't exist, and so we just make them as absolute tabletop. But yeah, I mean, like, you can write this and, and sell it. I'm gonna, buddy. I'm gonna cut this out. But like, do it, do it think now. about it like a D hundred list of like uh, this item you have cannot be seen by the authorities. Mm-hmm. Like, 
just yeah. like a small little thing that you give one of those to each character and it's like oh my gosh everybody all of a sudden everyone's real stressed out yeah <laughs> or like your brother is wanted for a crime and you look just like him you know stuff like that where it's right. like yeah just little little things where if you were in the wrong place at the wrong at the wrong time you could get in serious trouble mm-hmm. i guess i'll leave that in I'll let other people do it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I doubt that many people out there are going to have the, the gumption to actually create a product around that. So I think you just saying that means we're going to have like four of these things. That's, right. and That's what I'm hoping and, is that people will just yeah. do it. Be a better D100 for roll up and die master. Be a better accidental criminal. <laughs> Be a better accidental. Actually, you know, I was thinking about criminal stuff because uh we have <clears throat> we're doing this recording right now. And uh and I thought it was a really cool idea. This I've seen a couple TV shows and like some movies do this, but I love the idea of the person from uh, the person walking up to you and saying, <clears throat> "I have no I'm or, or something like I'm supposed to tell you that I have no idea who you are or what's going on. I'm just supposed to give you this. I don't know anything. Like this yeah. person like really oh, was given yeah. like a hundred bucks to just deliver this package. This person doesn't know anything, you know, whatever. And they, and, and that person really doesn't, but then that's the way the criminal organization communicates mm-hmm. with the characters. Yeah. I would just love that mysterious, like, Oh man. Ooh. Some some home groups would probably murder that messenger, though. <laughs> <laughs> Very likely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm also a big sad. fan of, like, hidden messages. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you guys, I, I don't know if we talked about this before. Are you guys familiar with hobo signs? Yes. Yeah. Uh, back back in, 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 during the Great Depression, hobos would, would leave... Uh, would leave they had they had this whole organized system of signs that they would that they would make up uh, it was pretty it was pretty well organized from 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 the perspective of it was widespread who knew the symbols yeah, yeah. and so they would leave symbols that would say you know uh like the the authorities in this town will beat you up <laughs> if you go here or right. this house is friendly towards hobos you know you can get food and drink here or yeah. you know this place you can get some work you know that kind of thing and, and they had these really intricate symbols that they would leave around for other hobos to see and i think that would be kind of a cool little background thing to include in a, in a city we just have these these strange markings that they see everywhere you know you see this you see a circle with a line through it and you know uh three dots below it or what you know whatever just little little things here and there yeah. and they sl- and then they slowly begin to decipher what some of these things are you know and pretty yeah. soon, you can really like trickle that into the game. Yeah. Like you know, after maybe someone explains to them, you you'll see the signs if you just look around. And then from yeah. then on, yeah. every description you give them, you'll describe the little signs that they see as well. Yeah, yeah. And then I and then fi- and then you know, for for a while, still just sort of flavor stuff until one day they decipher one that you know maybe says something pretty scary like someone's after them or you know the drink more ovaltine (laughs) drink more ovaltine right (laughs) it's a crummy commercial (laughs) they finally get their decoder rings no (laughs) well you know that's not such a bad idea either maybe maybe they they have no idea what these are until one day they accidentally stumble upon you know they they, they're mugged in an alley and they happen to get one of these decoding devices that will tell them what it says that kind of thing and then now 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 they have access to this whole new world that they didn't see before yeah. Hey, that's a that's a session like, one. For a good time call Elminster. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that's a session 1 or session 2 item to give out. It's a decoder ring but th- you don't know what it decodes. Like yeah. that's a oh, thing yeah. that doesn't affect mm-hmm. the game, but at any moment you can throw that in. That's right. Yeah. 
Well, and I like cool. the idea. That's a good example of something that you can put into a campaign without knowing exactly what it means yet. Yeah. You know, you can you yeah, just sure. put it in there. And later on, you can tie it to an existing organization or a villain or, you know, an NPC that the characters know, or you can introduce a new faction. You know, I just I like the idea of throwing in little things like that, that the players will inevitably pick on, pick, pick up on and assume <clears throat> is going to be important. And then you can bring it back later on once mm-hmm. you figure out what the heck it means. Oh, I, I wish I had, there was a D100 <laughs> list of uh, yeah, things I like that. that someone would have come <laughs> if out only if, if only there were. The um, hundred list environs is the next. <laughs> this is yeah. This joke's getting worse all the time. Um, I did have something in one of my campaigns where they had they found these glasses that they they were just um, you know regular glasses you'd wear, but they were they were tinted like blue or something like that. Um, so they thought they were just sunglasses or something, but they were actually chemically or alchemically in this case treated so that they could see writing done with a certain alchemical liquid, you know, kind of like, you know, so if someone would write in this alchemical liquid, you could see, but only with these glasses. Yeah. And, but and there was no, but there was no, no arcane magic involved specifically. So it wasn't like they were magic glasses. They were just regular glasses. So they didn't really think about them much, but that'd be kind of a cool way to do it too. Not necessarily a decoder, but these glasses that could yeah. see things that uh, no one else can see. Oh, that's cool. I love stuff like that, man. Stuff that's, you know, not always in the player's handbook, <clears throat> you know, like yeah. really the story-driven things, oh. items that show you other story-driven things, and that's all they do. Oh, maybe, and maybe some maybe some of, the, the, some of the people who are part of this organization, they have really obvious tattoos in that special ink that no one can see unless you're wearing the glasses. Unless so, so, you're wearing the that's glasses. That's right. So you put on these glasses, now you can spot people, you know, with these, with these you know, strange sigils on there, you know. That dude's got a penis on his cheek. <laughs> oh, he must have gone to a party the other night. Yeah. Highlighter doesn't wash off, bro. And in, in order to get those glasses, everything. you have to fight <clears throat> Rowdy Roddy, Roddy Piper in of an alleyway yeah, in yeah. order to get the glasses. <laughs> put on the glasses. Hold on. One of the Hold best on. movie fights ever. Put on the glasses or start eating that trash can. Hold on one second. What? What is this? What is this from? <laughs> it's it's okay. So it's it's from this movie called They Live. Oh, it's from They Live. Okay, yeah, it's John from Carpenter, the yeah. uh, that's the uh, consume. <clears throat> yeah, yes. right with the aliens. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, Rowdy yeah. Roddy all Piper out of bubble gets this, gum. Yeah, yeah. He gets his <laughs> pair of sunglasses and yeah, yeah. Him and uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David have this incredible, just like ten minute like balls yep. out fist Ugh, fight in, the, awesome. in an alleyway and they're kicking awesome. each other in the nuts and smashing each other's cars and it's just oh it's so good <laughs> and they're the kicking that each they... other in the nuts and yeah. smashing each other's cars this is an all-american fight right <laughs> it here. is the best the best <laughs> part is, is they, they they look beat up afterwards too like oh, not like so most action movies of the time and, yeah they, they, their faces are swollen they have black eyes they, they look yeah. like they've been kicked to shit that's hey. awesome i just i love beat that up. line put on the glasses or start eating that trash can <laughs> Oh, do you guys want to take a question from the listeners? I think <laughs> yeah. we should. All right, everybody. <clears throat> right here on Roll Up and Die, uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, called, it's at <clears throat> facebook.com slash rollupanddie. And uh, every time we record one of these podcasts, we will put up the topic, and you can ask your question if you so choose. And the one with the most likes will get chosen. Now, some days... We put these up uh, and don't record, so they're up for like three weeks. So we end up with like nine million questions with like 40 likes each. Other times, like today, uh, we forget to put up the topic until an hour and a half before the episode, and we get one 
with two likes. So yeah. this is the winner <laughs> of today's Tyler H. It's your lucky day. Uh, how do you utilize a criminal organization with the most effect to drive a campaign? How can you make them unique and interesting? You know, we talked a little bit about mm. these sorts of things, but I think that trying to uh, make the organization make a little bit of sense, uh, at least mm -hmm. within the context yep. of your world and how, you know, money works and how the law <clears> works <throat> and thinking about um, their different connections and their networks and trying to humanize them a little bit and not just making them, you know, cloaked faced bad guys or, you know, a, a thieves, mysterious thieves guild, like give them a little bit of humanity and a little bit of, you know, make them, you know, empathetic uh, to a certain extent, I think can make them unique and, and interesting. Yeah. I, I would also say start small, start at the, uh, yeah. the first stepping stones, because, you know, if, if we're looking at that, uh, dark reflection, that dark mirror is the criminal world, then you have, you know, the, the high kingpins who kind of, let's say, let's say we're just talking about drugs right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, the high kingpins who deal the drugs, uh, to, to these kind of l people who are slightly lower down the chain of command and they sell it to these kind of. Uh, th these more impoverished dealers uh, in the chain of command and they sell it to the, the people who do the drugs. This is a really right. horrible example. But in this example, <laughs> the first person the characters will meet is this <clears throat> impoverished dad who's trying to feed his daughter and uh, he does so by selling these substances. And so that's part of the criminal world is this person that these characters are meeting. But it's not like some... Uh, uh, who, who a kingpin? I say I, I almost said kingpin level villain. I'm talking about <laughs> Daredevil. I'm not just saying kingpin like a criminal kingpin. But uh, you know, don't don't go to that first. Consider yeah. everybody's on someone else's leash until right. they're not. And then right. when that person is not, that's your final boss fight. And I think the way to drive the campaign with it is like we talked about earlier to get the the characters involved with the organization somehow. Um, you know, uh, maybe unwittingly and, and, you know, get them to, to the point where they're too deeply involved almost to, to get out cleanly, <laughs> you know, every time yeah, we try yeah. to get out, they pull us back in, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe this organization has something on the characters, like, you know, maybe they had them do something early on and that, and that they could be arrested for and even executed for. <laughs> and yeah. now that's like. Hey, you know, we got this evidence on you. We'd hate for you to anything to happen to you. So maybe you better yeah. keep working for us. You know what I'm saying? I, I think I want to name this episode a round table on crime because I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. I feel like at some point we should come back and do a criminal <clears throat> organizations episode. But this has been kind of an interesting way to like, you know, if for anyone listening who's just interested in incorporating some of these kind of criminal things mm -hmm. into your game. Yeah. I think we've touched a little bit on a lot of things. Um, but I think we can dive far more specifically into like actual organizations if you want to do that in the next around the town. That'd yeah, be cool. Sure. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and we'll again, do like, the, uh, it, like if the, people are interested in in some of our other thoughts on things like that, the it's an old episode, but the Thieves Guild one, I remember yeah. having fun recording that as yeah. well. And yeah, that was definitely more focused on the actual you know Thieves Guild, but it's got some good ideas for how to work an organization like that into your world. I think. Yeah, and I was, I was I was deliberately trying to avoid the thieves guild because I knew we had done that, and yeah, and, and, and it's, it's kind of obvious. So I've been trying to steer clear of no, that a I bit, think, maybe, maybe too much. We've done a, 
a good job of just talking about how to involve crime <clears throat> in your game and how to get your players involved in crime. How do we were talking about like yeah. how to get your players involved in crime? We want we want people to yeah. turn to crime in order to make a buck. <laughs> Times are tough. Times are tough. I love the idea of adding like uh, an around the town, like not just a thief, or you know, instead of just a thieves guild, we can talk about an episode on just robbery. You know, yeah. just like what if you want to run a game where you're where you're robbing a place? Yep. <laughs> let's let's really go. Let's really go uh, meta with it. No, let's what? talk. About no, not meta. What's method? Yeah, let's go yeah. method. That's the word I was looking for. We'll record the episode while robbing a Best Buy. <laughs> Alright everybody, welcome to Roll Up and Die. <laughs> Get on the fucking ground! My name is Barker. <laughs> Matt! Matt! My name is Barker. Yes. From a fistful of dice, yes. <laughs> that was that's what my recording would sound like. Because I'm walking in. We're recording Audacity on the Best Buy laptop. On the Best Buy laptops. Yep. <laughs> Because we exactly got a couple in over. guys that I'm are I'm trying us to get out. out of there with a refrigerator from their appliance section. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Let's create a better idea that people can steal this time. I agree. I agree. I think we should. Okay, so uh, what do you guys want to create? A criminal... We could create <laughs> a criminal organization, or we could create kind of a, a, a campaign plot arc that starts mm. small and kind of carries the players through a criminal storyline. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do the second one. That, sound, that yep. sounds a little bit more interesting. I agree. Okay. We could do both if you wanted. No, we ain't got time for that. <laughs> no, I agree. I'm cutting that part out so people don't know that we're skimping. <laughs> they were skimping. They could have had skimping. two, but given them one. <laughs> hey, let the record show. If I forget to leave uh, to pull that out, I apologize profusely, ladies and gentlemen. No, that's no, of course. That's what that's what somebody said. I don't know. Matt, do you have the die? Do you want to lead us in this <laughs> invocation? I do, I do. All right, one to two is Barker, three to four is Alex, five to six is me. Four, so that is Alex. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, so we're going to say that this uh, this criminal organization, um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kind of define who they are first. Wait, um, so are we doing a criminal organization? Well, well, if we're going to start, we're going to create oh, oh, gotcha. a, a, an I arc. See. We're going to yes, start with we'll do with, the with organization central. first. <clears throat> So, the 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 main characters get involved with this with this uh, this organization um, by being hired to spy on um, a local uh, merchant. The merchant is uh, is is someone of great wealth in, in the area and, and has some influence. Um, and they they have been um, hired to uh, to basically kind of watch him, keep an eye on him. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a completely, yeah, they're, they're, they're to strictly spy on him. And, uh, I'll start with that. Very cool. All right, here we go. All right. That's a two. So that's Barker. I'm going to, I'm going to throw in there that there's going to be uh, something that's keeping the characters from saying no. And so I, I recommend throwing this, throw, throwing this storyline in the campaign somewhere after the, the players have done something maybe rather illegal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they've been cornered into doing <clears throat> this thing, you know, uh, we'll, uh, you know, the evidence will be destroyed. What once you, uh, get back to us on, you know, this, this person's wares. And I think that's the second thing I'll, I'll add is that they're spying on a specific, um, uh, it's, it's whatever that what the spying that they're doing is relevant to a specific item that this merchant has. Mm. Oh, that might mean. have to go around twice. Oh, what? not see that coming okay so 
PCs 71 times and it's still surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old. Uh, so the organization hires the PCs to um, to spy on this wealthy merchant, and this organization also has some dirt on the PCs, and so they're, they're sort of being uh, blackmailed, strong-armed into doing this. I think that what is going to end up happening is that the, the merchant is... I think that the merchant is connected to this organization. In fact, it's maybe one of the organization's fences or, uh, you know, a front for their, for their money laundering or whatever. But he's selling something that the organization doesn't agree with. So let's say that this organization is somehow religious or tied to a certain deity, I don't know how, I don't know why, but they're but they are they have some pretty strong sort of spiritual religious edicts about them. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that this merchant that they've been utilizing, uh, who's gotten very rich off of doing business with them, is selling or buying items that are considered sacrilegious uh mm. to this organization. Nice. Hey, I get an idea. Mm-hmm. As as uh yeah. we, since we were talking about twists earlier, um <clears throat> maybe the idea that you know the 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 PCs are sort of spying on him when he gets murdered, um, and and so, and so and so they witness it, and then they're seen leaving the area. Yup. Oh yeah. yeah. That's so, I like that one because it, because it carries the characters through a criminal yeah. campaign. Yeah. See, and I I like that too because it could be one of those things where it's like, oh, was that a coincidence or were we set up by the organization? Right. Right. Was this well, like a, a a a very like complex assassination? Where now we're wanted, and the organization is just like, "All right, we're done." Yep. And they go back to like talk to their contact in the organization, and it's just gone. Like the prize right. just and gone. It was an empty, and an empty little, room. Yeah. Yeah, his little hideout is <laughs> completely cleared out, and they're just like, "Oh no!" And that's when you add the NPC that wants these items also, and then all of a yeah. sudden, there's this network of people who are acting against the story. Yep. So, and then you can kind of just choose which plot arcs to to run with. Yep. Oh man, it'd be great too if they they show up at the guy's hideout and it's just cleared out, and they're like, "Where did he go?" And then there's boom, boom, boom. City guard, open the door! And like they they called the guard in, and they're just like, "Oh my god, what's happening?" Oh, I love that. That would be that would be amazing. <laughs> Crime doesn't pay, kids. <laughs> A dog with a a, a a magnifying glass and a Scruff trench coat. Ma- <laughs> Scruff McGruff. Scruff. Just, right. I, yeah, I, yeah, I know. Scruff <laughs> McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652, and help me take a bite out of crime. <laughs> <laughs> Are they sponsors now? I, I My heard. mind is a steel trap that only holds things that don't matter. So a, That's a 20-year-old Scruff McGruff commercial is in there for some reason, taking up really valuable space, but I can't remember a word of German that I took for three years in, in college. So, Well, well, that's what we're going to end on, is that Scruff McGruff bit. Scruff so, McGruff. Hey, Matt. Yeah. Go ahead and clap your hands in front of your microphone. I don't want to. Go on. Alex. And me. What you've just listened to has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2017. How official. 
The games, films, TV shows, and other stuff we talked about during this episode are the properties of their respective owners, so be sure to borrow nicely, okay? Any snippet, portion, clip, or other synonym for part of this show can absolutely be used in other media so long as credit is given to the Roll Up and Die podcast. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt can be found at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker can be found at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at www.absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog, and his work can be found on Drive Through RPG under Critical Hit Publishing. Be sure to keep track of us on iTunes at rollupanddie.podbean.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, everybody, and as always, happy gaming.